Welcome to the Pro Aging Podcast. I'm Steve Gurney, founder of the Positive Aging Community. We're excited that you can join us for our interactive discussions with pioneers and thought leaders on a wide variety of topics related to aging and longevity. We are able to bring these discussions to you along with copies of the Positive Aging Sourcebook thanks to the support of our Positive Aging Community Champions. Visit ProAging.com to connect with them and find hundreds of other resources. Today we have a discussion with Pamela Merkel and Catherine Frasche of the Association of Aging with Developmental Disabilities. This amazing organization has the primary objective of bringing the aging and developmental disabilities fields together to create and to best provide practices for people aging with developmental disabilities. There truly needs to be more resources in this area, as was indicated by some of the community members' questions and comments. So let's jump into a wonderful discussion with Pam and Kathy. I am really excited. I've been looking forward to this discussion for quite some time. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, I've been in this field of aging for over 33 years. And um, the topic of aging with developmental disabilities or um, caregivers caring for their loved ones with disabilities who are growing older has been a topic that has intersected my path for many years. But <clears throat> until recently, I didn't know that there was an association on aging with developmental disabilities. And when I discovered that, I immediately reached out to them and said, we got to have a discussion on this topic. And so um, we have today with us the leadership team from the Association of Aging with Developmental Disabilities, Pamela Merkel and Catherine Barache. And I'd like to welcome them to the stage and um, welcome uh, you two. And uh, I am really excited about our discussion today and the fact that <clears throat> our paths cross. But before we dive in to this very important discussion on aging with developmental disabilities. Let's get to know the two of you. Um, let me start with Pamela. Uh, Pamela, tell us a little bit about your background and what led to your current role with the uh, AADD. Well, so first off, I want to thank you for having us. We're pretty excited um, to be able to, to share what it is that we know, and uh, we believe that we're helpers. So just moving forward, if there's ways that we can help you guys out there in the audience with the stuff that we're going to share today, uh, you know, you can always give us a call or ask questions today, which is kind of cool. So he asked how I ended up in this job. I, it's weird, right? So um, I always liked older people. I took a job in a nursing home um, and was a nurse aide. I did that and put myself through school for like 10 years in the health healthcare arena. Um, just progressive, moved to the hospital, ended up reading cardiac monitors, which is like fishing. You know, you got a little PVC, you got a, ooh, yeah. So a uh, fisherman that we'll talk about later. Um, so I did 10 years of that. As I put myself through school, I was going to be a nursing home administrator. Um, I had enough points to sit for my boards, um, my degrees in business management with a minor in gerontology. I mean, I really liked older, older people, you know, right? And when I graduated, there were no jobs, like no jobs. And so I moved back to St. Louis from school and I was sending out every time I got paid, sending out resumes. And the ones that responded was a group of folks who supported people with developmental disabilities. And thus I fell into the field. So I have 10 years of pure healthcare. I have seven years of, of developmental disability that was just pure, not so much aging. I mean, there was some in there. And then um, I've been with the Association on Aging with Developmental Disabilities as the exec for the last 27 years. I'm 63 wow. years old. I know it's nuts, right? It's a grand total of 44 years of experience I can bring you from the Midwest. There. I love and the it. Sm the smarter but one of us is actually Kathy. You know, <laughs> she's like, oh, amazing. Well, and Kathy, I see you, we already had our first question and you, you stole it from me is, is that silly question, but where did Catherine get her artwork? It's gorgeous. I love it. So Catherine, for, how about you first tell us about you and then tell us about that beautiful artwork. 
Okay, you got it. Um, so I kind of happened into this field as well. Um, when I went to college, I went to Purdue University and studied psychology and criminology, criminal justice. I honestly have no idea what I thought I was going to do with that, but I did not think that it would be the field of developmental disabilities. Um, I started looking for a job after college, and this was back in the olden days where you opened up the newspaper to look um, for job listings. and everything in social service kind of as pam was saying social service was code word for working with people with developmental disabilities didn't really know that at the time but learned that quickly and so i took a job as at a residential agency working in a what was at that time a group home and i didn't expect that i would stay very long this just did not feel like a good job match for me um, fast forward 10 years, I was still at the same agency. I had moved up from being a direct support staff to a supervisor, to a coordinator, to the residential director. And during that time, I recognized that the people who we were serving as a population were getting older and some of their needs were changing. And the agency I was working for really was not equipped for meeting those changing needs. And so I had heard about the Association with Developmental Disabilities in the past. We had connected loosely throughout um, the course of my career. And 23 years ago, I came to work for AD, and here I still am. Wow, I love it. Okay, so now the big question, tell us about those beautiful paintings there. Sure. So um, we actually we had an employee who unfortunately has since passed away, but he um, came to us also accidentally. It's interesting how many people just kind of fall into this field. His wife worked in the field and she invited him to join him on some of our social events as something that they could just do together. And he immediately fell in love with the population that we serve. Um, he was a commercial artist. He did work for Disney. He internationally known artist who fell in love with people with developmental disabilities. And the picture here on my right is at a local ballroom. And that's actually one of the first places that he went. And he just was enamored with the movement and the personality of the individuals who we served. And so he started painting, trying to just capture the essence of the people who we serve. And we liked his first painting so much that we asked him to do some more paintings. And so the one on my left is what we call a retirement support group, which Pam will talk a lot more about later. Um, but it's a group that gets together for socialization, for friendship, for healthy aging. Um, and they're playing a game of Uno there in that picture. I love it. Okay. Um, you, you all have some PowerPoints to keep you on track and to keep this dialogue going. And um, uh, let's make sure that those work. And then what I'm going to do is duck behind the curtain. And as I do that, I just want to remind our audience that you can ask questions frequently and often or make comments and share uh your journey that you may be going on or have been on. And um, and then um, if you all want to take a break from time to time and just check in with me, uh, I'll let you know if there's anything in the queue. But uh, really looking forward to learning more about this and your organization. Sounds good. Thank you very much. So, Kat, that's the first slide. Cool. All right. So we're a, an organization that's been around for a while. There's our mission statement. It's a standard mission statement and we follow it. Um, but our staff actually cooked up three words that I, I want. To, we have a culture here. We have a flavor here. So one of the staff cooked it up and we all said, yes, this is really what we do. In supporting people with developmental disabilities, we engage them in something they care about. Right. And we're we protect them from harm. We're probably more conservative than a lot of organizations in that people have rights and they can make all kinds of choices, doesn't matter how old they are, but we're not looking at them making decisions that we would support in, in say, pursuing something illegal, right? And um, we teach. All the staff that I hire here, even though we come from different walks of life, we believe are teachers. So 
um to the next slide we would go <laughs> oh actually here if you want to talk about who we serve we'll stay on this one for a moment okay so who we serve so we've got a niche in the aging population you guys so um back when i was the original writer and understanding when i took this job i was the only employee and then there's a demand right because you're looking at numbers that kathy's gonna hit um so the niche is for people who are over the age of 50. So since I've blown past that, I look at it, I still think it was a good choice just based on premature aging. So folks that are over the age of 50 who wear the label of a developmental disability um, and who are interested in um, living a good, healthy, happy life. So we have other programs that are feeding streams that we're going to talk about a little bit later, and that goes to as the bulk of what we do is in the community, we're accessing generic senior sites, right? And so I always thought when I was younger that little old people were all sweetness and light and they were just nice, nice people until maybe they don't feel good or it looks like it's a competition for goods and services. And you're introducing somebody maybe that with a developmental disability into a generic aging site and, um, the folks here in the Midwest weren't exposed to folks with developmental disabilities. So it didn't always go as smoothly as it could. Um, and so I needed my people to be better. I needed them to show the best of humanity and model for the community um, how to basically be a good human being. So in order to address that, we've got programs for younger people that are feeding streams into our senior settings. And it's kind of a hoot because if you're if you're running through like a sheltered workshop and you've got folks, if we're starting our retirement services at 50, you know, they're chasing Kathy down the aisle with their ID saying, you know, one more year, I get to retire in one more year. So uh, which is like a demand for the service. But working on the social game is like a big deal in accessing generic aging services. Okay. So um, just before we get too terribly far, just to make sure that we're all on the same page with what a developmental disability is. Um, many times we have older individuals who will come to us and say, oh, well, I'm older and I have disabilities. And they're talking about those general age-related changes that we might all experience. But when we're talking about mental disability, it's a specific set of criteria that make people eligible for our services. Um, intellectual disabilities are the predominant developmental disability that we serve. And there are times that um, it's not understood what an intellectual disability is. And even though mental retardation is not um, politically correct language these days, for older individuals, sometimes it's what's understood. And so, you know, you can try to kind of talk around it, you can try to give um, examples and sometimes it just takes saying it used to be called mental retardation and then oh okay I understand um, but sometimes until then the connection is not made other developmental disabilities include cerebral palsy autism which is an incredibly growing field and when we look at the autism spectrum um, there are so many people who fall under that diagnosis who maybe have never been diagnosed um, when we're looking at the older if someone behaved a little bit differently than others around them or learned a little bit differently than others around them or interacted a little differently than others around them, they didn't necessarily receive a diagnosis for that. People just looked at them as different. So we're seeing a lot of individuals who were never actually diagnosed, but who clearly would fall into the realm of having a developmental disability. Um, Down syndrome, epilepsy, severe learning disabilities and head injuries. These disabilities need to affect two or more areas of the individual's major life activities and also to qualify as a developmental disability to have manifested prior to the age of 22, so during the developmental years. Overall, this is a relatively new population that we're looking at. When we look at the growth of the population that we serve, and the picture in the corner, by the way, is the person who is the oldest who we're currently serving. This is her celebrating her 85th birthday. Um, in the 1930s, 
So close to 100 years ago, it's getting kind of long ago at this point, but the average life expectancy for a person with a developmental disability was only 19 years. And many died in early childhood. Um, but 19 years was the average compared to an average life expectancy of 60 years. We are currently approaching people with developmental disabilities having similar life expectancies to the general population. There's kind of just an overriding, typically the greater the disability, the shorter the lifespan. So there certainly are some individuals because of their diagnoses who do not reach those life expectancies. But currently we're looking at a life expectancy being 70 years compared to a general population average of 77. So quickly approaching similar. Um, particularly when you look at Down syndrome, which the, um, the, the view is that a person with Down syndrome ages at about 20 years faster than the general population. So when you look at physical changes, when you look at cognitive changes, you're, you're accelerating that by 20 years. In the 1930s, a person with Down syndrome typically did not even live to be 10 years of age. Today, they're living into their 50s and 60s. Um, so just looking at that change is fairly remarkable. When we look at the population in general, according to the 2000 census, there were over 600,000 people with um, over the age of 60 who were living with a developmental disability. And in the next six years, seven years, this is expected to be doubled to 1.2 million. And that's as the last of the baby boomers reach the age of 60. So we're going to see a spike in numbers and then we'll start to see a decline, um, but hopefully not a decline in life expectancy. So this need is why the Association on Aging with Developmental Disabilities was founded. And Pam's going to talk a little bit about the agency's history. Yeah, so I mean, obviously you guys are seeing the need. If we step back in time, like in 1988, there were some folks that were were really kind of worried. And actually, I mean, so one was funder, but they were mostly out of the aging world because the folks with disabilities were starting to hit the aging services and the aging guys didn't know what to do with them, right? So um, here, so in 1988, there's four agencies that got together. They said, ooh, this is a problem. If we do projections looking at data and looking at just birth rates, um, we know that there's a big surge of people who are coming through that are going to have aging issues. Um, in 1989, they be they became a special interest group and they, and they used to meet. And again, it was predominantly aging providers. Um, in 1994, they incorporated. Um, so since 94 there's been an ongoing develop of programs and services initially the organization was designed to be uh just put on an annual conference so bringing the aging and, and dd world together so i still hold that mantra in my head that we bring the aging and dd world together um to provide to be able to provide the best services possible um to support our folks who are aging um if we look at guiding principles, that actually is more like a Kathy thing. <laughs> okay, um, does anybody have any questions before we continue on? Well, um, let me jump in here. And uh, number one, this is, uh, I, I love hearing the backstory of how this was created and, and you came into this and the, you know, um, one of the things that I didn't share with the audience at the beginning is, is that in the winter, I am a uh, snowboard instructor for people with disabilities, and most of my students are um, children and adults with developmental disabilities. And, you know, there is the aging of the, the student, of the person with the disability, but we have families that come into our orbit whose adult children are, you know, 50, 60 years old and, and they're their primary care, their only caregiver and they're caring for this, this person. I think when we talk about the aging of, of developmental disabilities, we really are talking about the, the person and the caregiver, uh, correct? Absolutely. Right. And uh, I, I actually have a uh, I have an article that we wrote years ago, but I found the video of 
it was this heart-wrenching story of a uh, family that was caring for their daughter who had a physical disability and the strain to do that became physically difficult for mom and dad who were in their 80s and they wanted to move as a family to an assisted living. Their daughter who was in her late 40s, early 50s and the parents that were in their 80s and they had a heck of a time, uh, granted this was 10, 15 years ago, but they had a heck of a time finding a place where they could all live because of the differences in their age. I hear that happens here too. I think that we as providers, we just band together. We find the back doors that open up opportunities that people can access their community like anybody else would. And so when we're presented with the barrier, there's always a workaround. You I know, it. it might it might take a bit, but there's a workaround. I love it. So, all right, kind let, of, go um, ahead. Oh, I was going to say I'm going to duck behind the curtain because I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, you're all good. Okay, so um, Pam had mentioned that um, engage, protect, and teach is kind of our mantra of who we are and what we do. And we have just a few guiding principles that we use in order to provide that service. The first is it's better to be kind than be right. And this is typically a thought that comes from individuals who are working with people with dementia, because um, as people may not have the same grasp of day-to-day -day reality that those around them do, it is frequent for caregivers to want to correct, to make sure that the person is oriented to what is actual. And that is not necessarily the place that that person is most able to be or is most comfortable being. And really that concept extrapolates to all of us. It's better to be kind than be right because we can be right, but if we're not treating the person with dignity and respect, and if we're not meeting them where they are in whatever it is that they're going through, we're not going to be a trusted support for them. So if we begin with kindness, perhaps we can do some gentle teaching along the way if it's something that really matters. But there are some things that if the person has a different perspective than we do, what harm does that cause? Absolutely none. Um, so that's that's one of the, the things that we try to go with always. People are people. Yeah, um, I don't know if um, people on this chat are familiar with the concept of people first language, but in the world of developmental disabilities, the idea of people first is is paramount. So we don't work with disabled people. We work with people who have disabilities. And all of us in our essence, in our core, are just people who deserve to be treated with dignity and respect, who deserve kindness and generosity just because we are, not because of anything that we do, not because of anything that we achieve, but just because we are. We need to meet people where they are. And I know sometimes that sounds very cliche, but it's essential because if we have an idea for a person and it's not where their line of thinking is, or if it's not something that they're ready for, it's not going to be well received. Whereas if we recognize where the person is coming from and start from their perspective, we're able to make a lot better difference and provide a lot better support. Um, and then finally, we're more alike than different. This particularly takes place um, when we look at age-related changes. There are so many things that we can go through as we're aging that the first thought is, often, oh, well, this person has a developmental disability. Well, that is true, but the developmental disability doesn't necessarily have an impact on the essence of who the person is. Physically, our bodies are all human bodies. Yes, there are some variations, um, but there are variations across the general population as well. So just these are things that we try to keep in mind as we're providing supports on a daily basis. Pam? Oh, cool. So she hit a lot about respect. And I think there's a mutual respect. I know that there's some organizations here that maybe they put folks with disabilities on a, a pedestal and maybe there's the organizations that look down on them. We really do. And everything that we do go side by side. So I believe that everybody's got a little something, something. Most of us know how to hide our stuff. Um, I, and so we teach people maybe to, to hide their stuff. 
Um, so going through something side by side and in teaching strategies of folks, because I mean, we we're believing we're teachers um, really is doing the same task at the same time. So we're not doing any kind of power, power, you know, pulling power on people because we really are just the same going out and experiencing living the same as everybody else in what retirement looks like. Um, so it, it's just a little more taste of of culture. Um, I need all my staff in supporting the peeps, my people, to go out and make a story, you know, so that folks have something to talk about whenever they come back in. Um, that one's pretty important. Um, and I've been talking a lot lately about the healthy recipe for aging. And you would think that that's a big surprise, but it's really not because it's up on your screen. And it's the same thing that they've they've said to us forever and ever. If we're going to live into healthy aging, then these are the things that we need to practice. So um, in, in supporting folks here at the Association on Aging with Developmental Disabilities, people do this every day. So it's it's looking at good health. It's if there's a health issue, it's always rule out medical. You know, if there's a behavioral change or there's a, a mood change or there's a physical change, it's rule out medical first because it's what happens to all of us as we age. Looking at better nutrition, we all suck at this. We would really like pizza instead of, you know, broccoli and um, you know, meat that's about this size, um, but we teach it. We teach it and we work on it. And we practice it. Exercise. So exercise is a big thing. Um, I've got a whole group that are a bunch of dancers. Um, we learned that when we talk about exercise, they don't want to do it, right? Um, and so for you that are athletes out there that are listening and good for you, um, that's a that's a really good thing. Um, my guys evidently don't, the bulk of them don't want to be athletes. And so when you say exercise, they're like, no, no, we're not doing it. But if you say, ooh, ooh, let's take a walk here or let's go dancing here or anything to keep our bodies moving, um, exercise is a big deal. Before, before COVID, and again, I mean, we're practicing this. Before COVID, we worked a lot on balance training. So can you can you stand on one foot without falling over? And obviously there'd be staff around or things that people could grab onto, but in teaching balance training, then they become an anti-fall risk. And we all know as we age, then when you when you look at falling as, as an older person, it's a it's a bad deal. Um, we look at, at safety, you know, is what you're doing safe? Cognitive stimulation therapy, you know, use your brain so it doesn't turn to mush. And that's for all of us. Um, we do that in a variety of ways, whether it's playing cards, whether it's doing reminiscence and and taking a look at like, you know, what was your grandma's name? Well, grandma. Okay. So, so no, we need to dig a little deeper on, on who grandma was and look at your history. Look at um, a comparison of everybody's toothpaste in the morning was really, really fun because it actually put a little bit of pressure on people who weren't brushing their teeth. Um, to just to anything that's going to stimulate somebody's mind, anything that they can learn that they're interested in, we're going to support. Um, socialization, big deal, lots of stuff that's coming out um, that's about socialization and isolation. We've got, I'm, I'm going to hit some projects that we've got going that, that address each one of these with a different thought. So across the nation, if you're looking at things that are successful, that have these, these concepts in them, I'm going to fill you in. So socialization being a big deal to link people with each other, to develop friendships. Side benefit is, you know, I mean, we operate kind of as a, a we feel like a family here, even though we serve over 200 people, you know, we feel as a family and we worked really hard to build links between people. It benefited them during COVID. Um, so, so, and they tell on each other, you know, so if Mary fell down the steps, we get a call from five people that said Mary fell down the steps. Where if Mary's not connected with any kind of socialization around her, Mary's probably going to lay at the bottom of her steps, and, and that prognosis is not good. So to link people is a big deal. Um, identity, boy, that was another piece. Um, when we look at retirement, okay, then we should be looking at something. You are going to retire to something, and it shouldn't be your couch, right? So to retire to something... Um, we started off, the guys named themselves, and this is for the people over the age of 50, they named themselves senior hotshots, and that really became a big deal. Understanding that we have both individual and group kinds of things that are going for our older guys, um, but the senior hotshots became a mantra. 
And as they progressed into developing their friendships, then they invited other potential senior hotshots into whatever it was that we were doing. And then from there, if they didn't work it out, they would kind of put some peer pressure on them to up their game so that we could be wanted and expected and needed in the community, which is the area that we operate. Um, the pictures up here um, are again a gang of friends. We get free cart, we get free um, tickets to the Cardinals game, so that's us. Um, kind of fun. Um, the one where you got a ball being pitched around is part of an exercise group during COVID. Um, so where everything was was shut down. So um, they're finding there's a lot of of new information in catching and throwing balls um, that helps also sequence out how it is your brain works in order to keep it sharp. So um, been up in our games on that too, and we just don't call it exercise, you know, and then you, you see a gang of people who are friends. Um, this past this past weekend, there was a group of folks that walked the mature mile in Force Park, which is our biggest park in St. Louis, um, where you had uh, pre-COVID a thousand seniors that turned out and everybody walked the, the mature mile, um, which was pretty cool because it was all walks of life, including us. And again, welcome, wanted and, and desired. Pretty, pretty awesome. So from the senior hotshot piece, when you look at identity, I needed folks to talk about, I want to be this, or I am this. So in building up identity, then my staff support people in practicing skills so that they can say, I'm an artist. I make hats for newborn babies. I'm a bowler. I'm a gardener. I'm a golfer. I'm a fisherman. I don't care what people are. They can be anything that they want to be, but just be something and then sing about it. Develop those skills so that the folks can be independent and back away from us and be able to go fishing on their own. Like, we're, um, and, and it takes a long time to teach skills. You know, I mean, initially, say, looking at the whole fisherman gig and that lady, that picture went all throughout our organization because she's pretty proud of that bass. Um, at the bottom, I am a fisherman. Um, you can see that she still hasn't progressed from taking her gloves off because she's not excited about touching the worms. I think this year she'll probably take her gloves off. You know, we've got another guy who's going to the park and fishing independently, but hasn't gotten the skills yet to unhook the fish. So he's approaching people and say, can you unhook my fish? Um, but it's to teach the skills that they can sing about in retirement besides being a senior hotshot. So um, I don't know, kind of cool. The next steps, and then I think that we're supposed to like tag you into um, a break if you guys have questions, is to talk about the specific programs that we have, the concept behind them, um, and like why they existed and what they did. So do y'all have questions? We got a great question that, that came in and uh, I'm gonna drop it in to chat so every Steve, I think we lost you. Whoops, sorry. Oh, here I am. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, so we have a, a really good personal question here. It's written in anonymously, but I think it could stimulate some discussion and uh, and help with the rest of your your uh, your slide deck there too. Um, my sister is 45, has CP, cerebral palsy, developmental disability, and a lot of emotional and mental health issues. She lives alone, loves it, fiercely independent. She needs a lot of support, basically lives the life of an average 85-year-old senior. She has two to three medical appointments weekly, I'm frustrated because she doesn't qualify for services that she needs because she's not old enough, such as meals on wheels and assisted living. She likely will never live long enough to get those services. The current program she lives in is wonderful and where she lives, wish, where she wishes to age in place, the provider is adamant that their program is for independent people with intellectual and developmental disabilities so we have to find a new place and she isn't old enough for assisted living. The whole situation is frustrating and exhausting. Um, so I wanted to verbally share that story for us to brainstorm solutions 
but uh, I also dropped it in there. And so if folks have any ideas, uh, my one question for the person that asked that is, can you share where the, the geographic region where your loved one lives, that might be helpful in us helping you um, yeah. identify some um, resources. But any, any thoughts on that one? So in the, in the St. Louis area in Missouri, um, our area agencies on aging provide services not only for people who are over the age of 60, but also younger individuals who have developmental disabilities. So like the Meals on Wheels program, those would be accessible for a younger person with a disability here. Um, that is not necessarily the case everywhere. But I agree if we could get some information on what area this family is in, we might be able to help with some resources. Great. Um, oh, and it's, uh, uh, she, she's in Northern Virginia. Okay. So, um, we can, I, I, I tell you what, um, uh, folks drop in any ideas that you've got in, in chat, uh, but also, uh, feel free to email me off the invite that you got for this event and, um, I'll work to, help make some connections there. Um, a lot of people are talking about, has she applied for long-term care Medicaid? And, and actually there are some very interesting Medicaid programs in Northern Virginia that are not necessarily age uh, restrictive. Um, so that could be another thing. Um, another question that came in, but I don't want the dialogue to stop on this one case study that we're trying to help this person. But uh, somebody asked, do you have training for other organizations? And, and that popped into my mind as well, too, because you were talking about specific programs there in the Missouri area. Um, what if somebody wants to do some things like this? Do you provide support in other parts of the country? So we'd help you. I, what we've built works, and we're blessed that we have funding that helps us provide support for our older guys. Um, the models are pretty solid, and they're, I don't know, they're based on good common sense and what the people want. So it really is about connecting with us. I have no problem in, in sharing, you know, what works and what doesn't. Excellent. Um, just sidebarring it because you you just, you posed a problem, and then, you know, I got to go there. So the, so... The lady who's living in her apartment and she's just absolutely happy as she can be. So, yes, you're going to track down money to figure out how it is that you're going to be able to pay for the supports that she needs in order to be independent. But look at us, too. So look at the potential of college students in the area that are looking for a roommate. You know, so sometimes the addition of a roommate is um, about handy as a pocket on a shirt in order to be um, independent unless you know they're a slug and then that's a bad deal but also you can reverse it up for like new widows or or like uh, perhaps they also need the income or a roommate they're also kind of hesitant but looking at roommate matches that make it so that both people can still remain independent but share resources um and and i don't know that's kind of the way i think you know you're presented with something and then you go on a hunt so that being said, we could go and talk about these programs if, if you want. You Absolutely. Think? We will jump back into this. And again, uh, folks, uh, just use chat to um, provide. Uh, oh, oh, and also Marlene said in um, Q&A, Centers for Independent Living. Um, uh, okay, I'm going to drop this into chat too. Okay. All right. But yeah, jump back on there. Uh, uh, Pamela and Catherine. All right, so check it out. So here, I end up. This is one of my favorite pictures that we ever shot. This is this is my friend fishing at a million dollar resort. Uh, first time he had probably ever been on vacation, and he is just a chilling fisherman. Um, but I, that being said, it goes to that identity because if you would ask him who he is, he would have said almost oh, senior hotshot, which was kind of cool. Um, but he also was a fisherman. So. Um, that being said, so this particular man actually accessed the first thing that's up on the screen that um, called a retirement support group. So initially, when I when I became the exec of this organization, I'm telling you that it was a 
um, it was about having our annual conference, right? So it was at the very, very beginning. And but the funders that were funding it said, oh, now we only want to provide direct service. So that being said, I had to go into scramble, right? So Retirement Support Group was a group of people that met at an area senior center. It revolved around a hot meal. The object of the game, the first piece I wrote, was really about kind of mainstreaming them in there and trying to open up relationships between the people that supposedly didn't have disabilities and my guys, right? It was a major fail. They would not, they would not talk to each other. Um, you had you always have like the little helper lady in the senior center who like opens up their arms to other people. Um, and then but my guys actually chose to develop friendships amongst themselves. And when when I took a look at that, um, it really goes to your friends with who it is that you grew up with or who it is that you have a common interest in. Like my friends aren't necessarily people who um I don't know, spend a lot of time inside. My friends have to be mover shakers and I'd be and here I was sitting by this fellow fishing. So my friends are more action packed outside kind of folks. So to develop a friendship, it's about putting people together who have similar backgrounds or similar interests. As we all age, of course, the common the, the common conversation really goes to what health. You know, oh, my God, I stubbed my toe, my knee hurts, my back hurts, my whatever. And so that those conversations in the groups were fine within the folks that typically attended there. Um, but it actually then triggered developing friendships amongst the people that I got to support at, for the retirement support groups. I really wanted the original design to be the opening shots of the old TV show, Roseanne, not the new one, but the old one where you had – Again, I thought it was a good snapshot of Midwest human interactions um, of people who were laughing, people who were cranky, people who were um, setting somebody up. Um, and I wanted to see all those flavors because all my guys, when I first started working with them, looked at their laps, answered yes to everything, and sometimes cried. You know, so I don't have that anymore. I really do have the opening shots of the old TV show Roseanne. Um, because they're action-packed and on the move, so uh, and and a huge demand for service. So that's a that's a group gig that goes at a generic nutrition site, one to four staffing ratio. Um, we you know walking into an aging site, um, we are on top of our game. We're in a helping position. Um, again, we want to be wanted and needed and treasured when we come in. So um, and we're, we're usually more active than what the other seniors are doing. And and it's been kind of cool because over the years, then the other seniors have navigated to whatever it is that we're doing. So winner, winner, chicken dinner right there. Also written was a one on one support. If you're going to teach somebody retire, what does that look like? So initially, the guys didn't have a clue on what it is that they wanted to do. And there was uh, and and so it was really an exploration kind of thing. Do you like art? Do you like being outside? Do you like um, being with people? Do you like not being with people? Do you is there something you did in your past do in retirement? Let's look at where all the other people with gray hair are and let's go try out some of those things. So the one on one support models have been kind of fun. And they also remember I talked about that healthy recipe for aging because we need and want our guys to live into healthy, long lives, long, healthy lives. And so in order to do that, it really is that exercise and good nutrition and and um, all the things that, that are going to make us live into healthy stuff. So 50 and up, one on one and group models. Those are um, in three counties, so um, St. Louis City, St. Louis County, St. Charles County, um, that that were funded for those services. The Circle of Friends project, boy, this was cool. Um, there was, there is a great man by the name of Dr. John Morley, who is a international speaker who is linked with us, who's absolutely lovely, and he had some friends in Finland, right? So the guys in Finland were working on an anti, I program anti-loneliness model program and it hit about the same time as covid came so the object of the game was to bring people together to develop friendships based on a task or common interest right and so it could be um an art gig it could be a music gig but the people had a common interest and they they put their heads together and they worked together so that they would have something to talk about and then the groups would part and friendships would be built because we know that it's just hard to have friends right so circle of friends project we were one of three in the nation 
that did this project. Um, it was linked with St. Louis University. Um, what else can I tell you about it? We were the only group that did it with people with developmental disabilities. It was a crazy success. Um, it still continues and it just actually got expanded now to include families. Because when you look at the whole family gig, they're also, you know, just lonesome. Their primary responsibility is still in supporting their child through the aging process. They're aging. Um, they're, and so how is it that we bring people to so that we can be stronger as a society in order to help each other out? You know, so that one spins off. I've, I'm supposed to sign the contract, but I can't find um, cyber insurance right now. Um, that being said, but that one kicks off. So, so kind of cool. Um, the we care thing. Periodically, I get these things in my head, and then it's just like, oh, if we could find funding for this, this would be pretty awesome. So, we care is actually about when you look at. If, if I believe that everybody can do something and we do it well, and Kathy says, ooh, ooh greater the, life, the, the, the greater the disability, the shorter the lifespan, the guys that are rolling into the older ages, they can have skills, right? And, and so, and those skills should be respected. And if they're still living with mom or dad, then um, there's some caregiving. We're, you know, you, all, you guys are, are aging together. You're doing reverse caregiving, help each other out. But I can't begin to tell you the number of people that we've had in like our feeding stream programs. And so those are for the younger ones in our older programs. The guys are like, we want to help. Their eyes are really big. What am I supposed to do to help mom get to the bathroom or get food or get meds or whatever? And so we wrote a grant. It was funded last year, and it's in the process of um, curricula, curriculum development for people with developmental disabilities to provide sports for their aging moms and dads or the people that they love. Who are a bit older than them. Both the Circle of Friends, a Circle of Friends is supposed to be published. Um, the curriculum for the We Care is supposed to be published, kind of cool. Modified case management, um, again, an amazing funder. When you look at case management services right now, that's almost like nursing service, right? You get paid to document, but when you look at the real supports that people with disabilities need, then it really is about being able to take somebody by the hand through surviving cancer, like take them by the hand and walk them through it, you know, and not so much like like um, documentation. So um, we were awarded a, a grant for that, which is like doing some of the harder things. I have people now who have hearing aids. I have people now who who um, are surviving cancer. I've, so I hired old school case management case managers that um, that uh, retired, right? Snatched them up and uh, have some nurses that are working that project. So it's pretty good. Um, so futures planning and end of life planning, again, people should have a, a choice in how it is that they're gonna die, what their funeral's gonna look like, um, what their end game looks like. And so to be able to educate them um, about the array of ways that that end plan looks like is something that we also did that was successful. Um, and sometimes just bringing I, so your family's going to step in whether you wrote something or not, and they're going to hopefully abide by what you decided, but they may not. But if you can get it down on paper, then that's handy. And it's really about what flowers do you want? What music do you want? They, I had a lady that says, you know, the only thing I have of value is my dad's veteran flag. I want this to go to Mary Lou and my rabbit coat. I want this to go. And so to distribute out things that you care about to people that you care about. Um, so the future end of life, um, end of game planning, kind of cool. Geri geriatric assessment was, um, man, if I were you guys and could find out how to steal this one, I absolutely would. We linked up with a bunch of medical doctors who worked in gerontology, ger uh, geriatric doctors, right? And so, again, led by the one medical doctor who says, um, okay, all you other docs, we're going to meet with the people of ADD. It's a one-on-one -on -one support model. The staff are going to support the client in, um, the staff are going to support the client in um, this non-invasive, full-blown geriatric assessment, right? And so our staff went in, we worked with the doctors. The doctors evidently came in kicking and screaming. Boy, they did not want to do it. Um, but our guy had a lot of pressure, and so and we got a grant for it, um, and it was the most amazing experience in the world. I, one of the things that ad staff were able to do were open up communication corridors for the doctors so that when the doctor asked a question and the person didn't understand it, we did an interpretation and the doctor learned. 
you know, the next time that we met, because it was a series for a year that we that we had lots of folks, the docs identified stuff that wasn't identified with our guys, like heart murmurs and um, problems with their feet and gait and all things that we could help the person fix, you know, to do that healthy long term lifespan stuff. Um, pretty cool. Um, what ended up happening, because now there's a line of docs that were coming to work with us, then um, and A, they learned the language. A, they loved the population. B, when they moved away, I still get calls from across the nation from docs that we worked with that project years and years ago that are either seeking resources or singing about that project. So any kind of expertise that we can develop in aging with disabilities, we won. Like, like it's cool, linked together. Life review on film, um, aging concept, also life booking. Again, who are you? Identity piece, where did you come from? Um, life review on film for us in Midwest were the little old ladies that were sitting in front of a video camera and saying, well, oh, when I was young, I did this and telling their life story. And it was like something their grandkids got and they played at their funeral. And so awesome, awesome. Our guys did that too. Modified piece in it that went to, um, we showed our guys walking and talking and getting a drink of water and following a simple direction. So I used it kind of as a shield also. So not only did our guys have a video where they told their story about their life, but whenever there was some kind of an insult, like they had a stroke or we had a guy that had sepsis, he's laying in the bed. He says, I can't move. I can't get up. I can't whatever. Staff brought in that film of him jitterbugging at the Casaloma like two months ago. And the occupational therapist looks at it and says, get up. So we used it as a shield to to for medical folks to get to baseline on who it was that our folks like really were, who the core of them were, and to help them get back to where it is that they were. OK, so I was talking about somebody came in and said "Ooh, 10 minutes all right that being said we have some feeding stream kind of things and that really goes to our guys needing their social games upped if they spent a lot of time isolated with other folks with disabilities and expectation that you really do need to have a clean face and keep your pants zipped and and your clothes in order whenever you're interacting in the community then we have like a big deal in order to to try and rectify that before folks get into the aging world and um then they're automatically looked down on so we don't want that social club cool huge extra um as, as and social engagement um people starting at 21 and up challenges unlimited was a spinoff from the y um that one is about exercise we have um we're a medicaid waiver provider and we're really good at it again that one's 16 and up um, purchase of service, same thing within the Department of Mental Health. We have private pay contracts, education. Um, we do a lot of it. That actually then brings us to the annual Aging with DD conference, um, which is kind of hot again, you guys. So that being said, it is um, May 15th and 16th. It is our 32nd annual Aging with DD conference. It is, um, what is it? It is about all some of the things that happened to us this year. So there's a committee of people that get together and say, holy moly, what what happened that we could bring speakers in to teach? So this year's big thing has been like um, we had some people die. So they're fatal five. There's five pretty generic reasons is that people with developmental disabilities who are aging die. And how is it that that we can ease that out? There's some death and dying components. Hoarding is big, big thing this year. Bad bugs. Big thing this year. Um, looking at Down syndrome um, and um, dementia, uh, big deal, rearing its head. Um, take a look at the brochure. Y'all can Google it. Um, website is on there. I think it's pretty hot. It, like I said, it's two days. It is in St. Louis. It is also virtual. Um, I, I don't know. Really proud of what we do. High demand for the service. I do want to give a shout out because if you guys do duplicate any of these programs or have an interest, big shout out to my board of directors because without them, we could not move forward on what we do to support people who are aging with disabilities. Um, we get huge support from the off, the St. Louis Office for DD Resources. It is a Senate 40 board, um, also joined by the Productive Living Board and the Developmental Disabilities Resource Board. Um, the Missouri Plan are the guys that are funding the teaching people to be um, caregivers for their moms and dads. Um, the Marriott Mission Foundation are the guys that stepped up a generic aging agency. So, I mean, we're, we get funding from both aging and DD to do old school case management. Um, looking at the seniors count guys, um, that one also came initially from a generic aging agency, um, the seniors count. 
um, here in town. Um, our newest one is the St. Louis Area Agency on Aging, um, and that one really is a circle of friends and uh, for the for the caregivers, for moms and dads to bring them together. And then state of Missouri is hopping right now. I mean, we've got some new leadership that's coming out of ADD. I can't be prouder to see what this do. Um, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's who we are, you guys. So if you need help, give us a holler. If you're interested in uh, looking at our conference, um, man, join us. So you're, you're welcome to be part of our ad family. So that's what I know. How's that? All right. Uh, that was great. And um, I am looking at the clock as you had alluded to, and we are close to the top of the hour, but I really want to keep our discussion going because we've got some folks in the audience and I tried to cut and paste uh, the challenges that they're faced with um, and uh, as either talking points or uh, and I really appreciate people jumping in and making suggestions and various resources for some of these very challenging uh, family situations. But but first off, you all are the American Association of Development Disabilities. So um, your we're headquarters the, is in the we're the we're the association on oh, association. Association of and 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 while you've got specific feet on the streets programs in the St. Louis areas, if, if people do people from all over the country attend the annual the conference, conference? yeah, we we've even got folks coming from Canada. One of our presenters is coming from Brazil last year, Great Britain. So predominantly United States, though, and predominantly okay. Midwest because we're okay. not very good marketers. Uh, no, you're great. So. <laughs> But but some of these heart wrenching stories that we're gonna that we've been talking about and that we'll we'll try to address here with our time remaining, um, these families and individuals can 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 they give you a call and brainstorm Absolutely. about solutions? Sure. Okay, that's great. Sure. So, yeah, sure. so the, all the I'll, disclaimer. I'll... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I'll put our phone number and an email address in the link, and you can certainly also reach us through our website. Okay. So the disclaimer on that is we only know our piece of the elephant, okay? Right. But we do have the ability to think, and, and we can talk about what's happened in our region, and, and maybe that will help you. And, and I think the, there, the reason that I was so excited to have you all on is, is that we know and we can see here by these uh, real life stories that these, this is a real life challenge and there's not always an easy connect the dots resources because of the the person's age the the housing that they may have been and the living situation that they may have been in is not suited to take care of the age-related changes but more importantly I think what I expected to sort of um, happen in this dialogue is also the changing needs of the caregiver, the, the caregiver that has been caring for their adult child for years um, is now at an advanced age and may not be able to physically do what they did um, before. So let's, let's jump into a few of these um, the best that we can, but for everybody who's on the call, if uh, by all means, reach out to the team, reach out to me, um, and, and we will trust your anonymity as well. But um, Eileen says, my 48-year-old son has Asperger's syndrome, is fairly functional, lives in my basement, works full-time, and uh, he drives and has friends from a band who socializes with on the weekend. He hoards electronics, so my basement is almost uninhabitable. He has two storage rooms, which I pay for. He is 50K in credit card debt. I started bankrupting proceedings. And didn't you mention that hoarding is a topic for the annual conference? Yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Max Zubinsky, he's okay. just, he's hot. I mean, he's just good. Um, and then continuing with this story, I'm 78 years old. I care for my 96-year-old mother with dementia in a nursing home. I'm running out of savings. I will need to sell my house 
I worry about my son's future after I'm gone. My lawyer says I, I won't succeed getting a conservancy for him. My daughter will care for him only if they have a conservancy. They, they think I enable him. I'm in Northern Virginia. Um, and number one, thank you for sharing that. Because by sharing that story, we might be able to help you, okay? Um, and I would recommend calling Catherine and Pam, uh, again, just to brainstorm different solutions. Contact the Area Agency on Aging uh, in, in Northern Virginia, and uh, we, we can drop that in. Uh, because some of the things that you're bringing up is... Um, uh, pertinent to that. Um, but but any suggestions for this very dynamic family challenge? So case manager is the key. You know, we're trying to position him for a Medicaid or Medicaid waiver slot. And that usually does mean that he has to not have resources. And it's the same as I've got an 87 year old mom that lives with me. When we go to the next steps, she can't have any resources and doesn't have enough money to carry her through um, and so we're all faced with it, whether it's a generic aging person or a person with a disability. Case manager, through whatever department of mental health that 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 mama has through the state, link with them, you know, and see what the options are, what funding options are. Okay, it's all about money, you know. How, what's it cost to provide care? Mm -hmm. Well, and it sounds <laughs> like mom that, um, and and I've got. Um, if you send me an email, I've got a few connections for v Virginia Medicaid. There's some agencies out there that can help you with that, but it, it may be that both of you can qualify for Medicaid as well and get supportive services. Um, yep. okay. Uh, let's see. Um, okay. Uh, Mark says, thank you for this important work. It's inspiring. As you point out, welcome. So Social isolation is a real challenge for adults with developmental disability you serve. And we know it's a chronic issue for, for many non-disabled adults. We've got to come up with new non-segregated housing solutions that facilitate social connections amongst people of different ages and abilities. There's a bleak future ahead of us if we don't. And uh, amen, Mark, I couldn't agree with you more is, is that any housing that segregates and right now, the only legally segregated housing is segregates against young people, okay? And uh, we've got to change that. And the connection between older adults and people with disabilities and, and the purpose that can be created to help take care of your neighbors, I mean, it, it's a marriage made in heaven if somebody can get creative and make it happen. So in the St. Louis area, they uh, we are still building retirement communities and assisted living facilities at a huge rate. And I don't know who's going to be living in these buildings. You know, once the baby boomers have passed through, we're going to have a lot of buildings with a lot of capacity and nobody to reside there. And I am advocating now to start to consider mixed use where maybe some of those apartments could be designated for people with developmental disabilities or younger individuals or college students or something just looking toward the future of how we can integrate those communities so that everybody gets the support they need. Great. Um, okay, well, I tell you what, the, um, uh, let's see, let me read Anne's here. Anne says, I was a hospice social worker and one year I had Thank you. three Downs patients, Down syndrome patients. I ran into situations with caregivers who had been with the patients for years and having a hard time with the dying process. I did a lot of teaching, handholding, sharing and love um, and the great work that you're doing there. And, um, uh, you know, there's no easy answer to any of this stuff. Not the, the, every discussion we have, there's no, there's no easy answer. But what I found is identifying where community's at. And that's what I think I wanted to really do with uh, Catherine and Pam is, is that for those of you who are out there who have loved ones with uh, developmental disabilities, 
And if they're living, they're all growing older. Remember, folks, we're all growing older at the same exact rate. Uh, people over 55 are aging the same rate as somebody 45. But identifying this community as a starting point to brainstorm and create solutions. And the thing that I love about what you've done is you're a national program that has, you've got this laboratory where you have created grants that are helping people on the street that nothing's easy, but they could be replicated. And so like, if you're, Absolutely. if you're inspired by this and you're thinking about, you, you know, wow, it'd be great to have a program like this in Baltimore. It's sort of like reach out to these folks because they've got the roadmap and it's going to make it a lot easier to get grant funding. Um, and yep. um, let's see. Susan says there are superb residential organizations in the DC area, RCM and ILS to name a few for those differently abled, Waiver and ICF, check them out. I'll, I'll drop that into chat as well. Thank you, Susan. And uh, holy cow, what did I say before we got on uh, Pam and Catherine? I was like, oh, don't worry, we won't go. This will go quick, yeah. Yeah, this will be quick. Um, yeah, it shows how much I know. Um, it sounds like we're going to have to do a follow-up to this. Um, I'll make sure to add a link to the conference in the recording and the podcast. And um, any final closing statements or anything that you didn't share that you wanted folks to know? Just come if you can. Come to the conference if you can. It's an amazing group of people. They're all hungry and worried. Otherwise, they wouldn't show up, you know? So, so yeah. And if you have something interesting for a topic next year, something hot, again, it's based on what's happened to us as a direct care provider in the community is what it is that you see there. Um, but come and we'll help you if we can. Okay. I love it. Th thank you so much to, thank to you. you and thank you to our audience for your participation. And especially thanks to those who shared those personal stories. I, I wish I had a magic wand but the best magic wand I have for you today is Catherine and Pamela. It's like use some of these ideas and the other attendees, their suggestions. So use that as a starting point and, and reach out to us. And, and hopefully as a community, we can all help each other. Thank you.